Welcome back to Dynasty Mode 2021. Uh, I'm Mike and I'm joined again by Dave and Kevin. How are you guys doing? How you been? Been good. Pretty good. Pumped for the draft and disappointed that it's not here already this week. I feel like there's nothing going on this week. I feel like we could have a draft. Yeah, I feel as though it's uh, been ongoing for what, three months? The hype is unreal this year. Yeah, and there wasn't even like a combine this year, so... I don't know. There wasn't a lot of extra stuff to look at. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's give them a look into the future. Our plan is this week we're talking rookies pre-draft. Future, we're going to talk rookies post-draft. Then we're going to talk all movement of all players and how that works. There was talk about looking back, doing one where we look back at a Dave Richard article on a 2014 dynasty rankings. And I think that would be a lot of fun as he had Bishop Sankey as number one. (laughs) That's yeah, poor Dave Richard. That's a tough one. He wasn't the only one in 2014. I looked at a bunch of them that had Bishop Sankey ranked pretty high. I recall in rookie drafts, uh, or, or redraft leagues taking him in like the 60s, 70s in multiple leagues. I might have even got burnt by him year two. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's why it's so hard. Yeah. Um, so cool. That That's the plan. Uh, anything after that has not been planned out, but this is all you need for the, for the next few months. Uh, I think we look to get you your post-draft podcast by that monday if not the tuesday and that's only going to come out tuesday if we don't think we can put out uh something worth listening to so that you have it right away especially for people in leagues who hold their draft as soon as the the nfl draft is basically over so before we start talking about players we had a, a good conversation about fit over in our group chat so we're going to talk about the idea of players and fits in systems for a minute and uh, it started with the conversation of who do you guys think is the worst coach in the NFL? <laughs> and I think we came up with pretty similar names. I threw out Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Nagy or Nagy. Yep. Uh, and I also considered putting Mike McCarthy in, but I decided to put those two in before just because Mike McCarthy has one, at least like he's done something as a coach. Um, and I think we all kind of agreed. I don't, don't know. Dave, you had a couple others that you threw in there, right? Yeah, I think I said Fangio and uh, Zach Taylor. But yeah, Zach, Zach Taylor's a good one. Zach Taylor is interesting. Uh, yeah. Can you tell me why you think he's one of the worst coaches? Uh, he's 6-25. and 25. <laughs> Through two I years. Mean, that'll do it. How many of those wins came in year two? Uh, no more than Five? six. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Year two, number one pick, blown out knee. You still you, – yeah, you have I mean, every reason to put him on I the hot seat, but do you really think he's established himself as a bad coach? I mean, no, but he's also – if he doesn't do it this year, there's a good chance he won't be here next year. I agree. Um, it's crazy because I looked it up today. 11 coaches in the NFL, some basically one-third, are either in their first or second year on the job. Yeah, I think I looked that up too. Yeah, seven new coaches this year. And uh, 
yeah, the average for a coach tenure is 3.2 years. And there's only eight coaches that have 10 years longer than three years right now. So insane. <laughs> so how does that make you feel about the idea of fit when many of these coaches could be in instituting a scheme based on the players that they're drafting because this is their first or second attempt at building the team they want to have. Yeah. I mean, it just means that uh, those coaches probably won't see results this year and they might not next year uh, if, if they're just picking up the team now. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't always work out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for like running back, I, I'm more interested in like the offensive line than uh, necessarily the coach, unless they have they run like the air raid or something. Kevin, you got yeah. anything to add to this? I think fit is still pretty important for running backs, maybe even more so than receivers, which might be counterintuitive because you think of receiver as like needing to have a good quarterback and a good passing offense, but we've seen. Justin Jefferson come in, AJ Brown come in. And I wouldn't say they went to places where people are like, Oh my God, that's an amazing fit. That's but true. their, their individual talent just took over. Um, so maybe that's just a trend we've seen in the last couple of years, but with running back, I'm still pretty interested in what offense they go to. Um, mostly not necessarily around the scheme, but mostly around um, is the opportunity there for them to become a workhorse. And is it a high scoring off? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely running backs that uh, so, like, aren't, aren't year, gonna... you know, again, I'm joking about I me mean, liking Cam Akers. Yeah. Part of the reason why I like Cam Akers is because he was going to Sean McVay's offense. I mean, it wasn't because I thought Cam Akers is like some generational talent. He was just going to a place that I thought was a great fit for him. So I think for running backs that this, it still does matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's definitely running backs that are going to do better in like a, a zone zone scheme and they get drafted by a team that right, uh, doesn't true. run the zone. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I'm cherry picking points, but to last year, everybody thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a perfect fit guy. Uh, James Robinson succeeded despite both things you said. They, that was neither a high scoring offense and they were oftentimes behind. Right. So. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get you off your argument, but. <laughs> Nor am no. I even trying to. <laughs> I, no, it's a, it's a good point, and there are exceptions. It's just – it's hard. Like James Robinson, it's impressive to have that kind of fantasy season on such a bad team. Usually running backs on bad teams are not going to be very productive for fantasy. So it's, that's like a testament to him, his individual talent, that he was able to do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there's, there's our takes on fit. Do what you want with it. I think if anything, it proves if you truly think a guy's the, your guy, maybe throw the fit argument out. If the fit is what you're questioning, you know, if that's, it, if that's the deciding factor, go with it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely players that are going to get upgraded purely based off fit. And maybe mm -hmm. uh, they weren't as highly thought about before <laughs> people all found right. out about their team. So, all right, let's, let's get into some players here. We'll start with quarterback just because, uh, they're they're a little bit different in dynasty depending upon you're in a one QB two QB or super flex. 
Uh, either of you guys want to make an argument for picking a quarterback other than Trevor Lawrence first? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I also do not have an argument. I think Fields might potentially have more upside, but um, Lawrence, or Trevor Lawrence is going to be the safer pick. And I think in Superflex, he's the clear one-on-one. So I don't, you know, even if it's Fields to San Francisco and you love that, I still think you go with Lawrence at one-on-one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we know from experience, and most people probably do, that you have, if you were holding one one-on-one, no matter the format, you are inundated with offers. If you hold 101 and you have a need at quarterback, what do you need to be offered to get off it? What player, what kind of pick package? You know, you can, you can pick and choose your answer. Dave, I know you gave me an answer earlier. You want to lead off? Sure. Uh, yeah, in Superflex, uh, I would need one of the top quarterbacks just because, I don't know, that's the most valuable thing in Superflex and the only quarterbacks I see potentially being better than him long-term are uh, Mahomes, Allen, Dak, and maybe Lamar Jackson. Uh, but I, th- I think Jackson is potentially worth more now because uh, there's, there's not as many question marks as there are with uh, a rookie. Yeah, for sure. He's done it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, it would be tough. I might add a, you might add, actually, I don't know if I would add Russell Wilson because he's, he's like 32 years old. So I don't know if I would make that trade. You're, I mean, Trevor Lawrence's career is probably going to last 10 years longer than Russell Wilson's. Um, maybe Justin Herbert, maybe. But I think it's, you're looking at like five or six quarterbacks that you would flip that pick for. And I do, I mean, if you're in that position and you feel like it's a pretty good quarterback class. So if you feel like you want to bump down to one Oh five or one Oh six and take uh, Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or someone like that, then I wouldn't, you know, if you can get like a running back plus that pick for one one I think that would be the kind of deal you're looking for. Okay. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence is off the board. You have a need at quarterback. Who's your number two, Kevin? I have fields and I, I just think we'll see what the spot is. Cause that I think things could change. Um, I just feel like Justin Fields is going to go to San Francisco at three and that's just too enticing for me. I, you gotta love the upside and his athleticism as a rusher too. So I would put him at number two. Dave. Uh, yeah, I have Fields at two as well. And then do you guys have Wilson at three? Uh, I have Wilson at three. <laughs> Dave, you don't? No, I have Mac Jones. I'm just not as high on Wilson. Um, I kind of think that uh, – I don't know. I, I There's just been so many uh, quarterbacks that have been drafted highly based off of uh, how, like, mobile they are. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he could be like a, a Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I just, I feel like he, I, I agree that he probably has a low floor, high ceiling type guy. Yeah. But I also think that like the ceiling with Mac Jones might be kind of low. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then is, uh, 
Trey Lance, your number five? Yeah. I have Lance four, Mac Jones five, for the oh. reasons you said. Like, I just – I think with Lance I, – I, at quarterback, I would really rather go for the upside, and I, I take Fields Wilson and Lance upside over Mac Jones easily. Sure. But All right, so then you're, you're not going to draft any – in Superflex, where would you be drafting any of them? Um, I mean, they're all probably going to come off pretty quick. It's hard for me. I don't play super flex, so it's hard for me yeah, to say. But um, I would think that they'd all be. I mean, like Fields Wilson are probably early first rounders. Um, yeah. Lance. I mean, we'll see if Lance is in a position where he's going to start year one. That could push him down a little bit. And yeah. I, I, I would assume whatever team drafts Mac Jones is going to start him year one. So you could end up seeing him be maybe the the fourth QB taken in Superflex. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, in Superflex, if, you know, just guessing, there's 20 to 24 quarterbacks rostered. And I mean, probably, if anything, there's all 32 starting quarterbacks and a couple backups rostered. So you have to assume that there's some bad team out there who has, you know, potentially two bad quarterbacks. Yep. So Mac Jones is, is still definitely a first rounder and maybe even still it, it could play out like the the nfl draft where it's four or five quarterbacks right off the board you know in in yes. six seven picks i agree uh are we in agreement that there is a clear drop off after those five or do you like one of the the other tier come inching closer to those guys I think Mills is. I like Mills uh, a good amount. Uh, I I would I would have him at six. Um, Kevin, I didn't put those guys in any particular order: uh, Trask, Kalimon, and Mills. But I think there there could be some good spots. I mean, if, if the Patriots don't go quarterback in, in the first round, they don't trade up. They might be a team taking one in the second round. So one of those guys, the Steelers could take one. The Bucks could take one. So those are kind of nice developmental spots, and I would be interested in one of those three if they landed in an offense like that. I agree. Also, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I could also see perhaps uh, with the discontent in Seattle, yep. them having to add a, a better quarterback. Uh, I'm with Dave. I like Mills. I like Mond. I'm not as huge on Trask just because – I remember looking at draft rankings during the college season and a lot of people had him in the first round and nobody has him in the first round anymore. And if you are in the first round, fall out of the first round while able to throw the ball to Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, that's a, that's a little bit concerning to me. I know that, you know, throwing the ball to two good guys isn't the only thing, but that's that's where I stand on that. Yeah. Anybody else you want to talk about a quarterback? Anybody uh, changing positions? Any of those wild things that tend to happen this time of year? Eh. Nothing no. for me outside of those eight. I think those are the only eight, unless there's something I'm missing that are going to be relevant for Dynasty. Right. No, I don't think there's anybody else. All right. Um, so let's talk 
all the other positions, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I'm just going to lump them together because the leadoff question is who's your number one guy and why? Uh, Dave, you want to start? Uh, we're doing running back? No. No. All your if, positions. Uh, who's all, your one-on-one? All position players, all non-quarterbacks, number one guy off the board. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm most into Chase. Um, it's it's always kind of weird drafting a, a wide receiver over over the running backs with a one one, but I just really like him. I think he's really really good. He's he's big. He's fast. He can uh, line up pretty much anywhere. Um, so I, I think defenses are gonna have a really hard time covering him. And I just and I, you could say the same exact thing about Pitts. I'm just a little more worried about the tight end position. Does it scare you? We just had the fit talk. If he goes to the Bengals at five and they don't address the offensive line and Joe Burrow's getting smashed just like he did last year and he also is competing for balls with T. Higgins, who looked great last year, and Tyler Boyd, who was having an awesome season with Burrow. Yeah, that would be suboptimal, but... I don't know. I'm not going to worry too much about fit on a wide receiver. Okay. Kevin, who are you going with? I will go with Najee Harris at 101. A um, couple of reasons. I just I think as long as it's the right talent and draft capital for running back, I'm just inclined to take a running back there because that's really what wins fantasy leagues. Um, I think it's very hard. It's very. I don't know if I've ever seen a league where the winner had like average or below average running backs. It's always the teams with the best running backs are the ones in contention because they're just, especially now there are there are so many wide receivers you can find. If you even just look at our past couple of drafts that we've had in the league we played together, you had DK Metcalf in the second, Deontay Johnson in the third, McLaurin in the third. T. Higgins in the mid-second, Brandon Ayuk, late second, Chase Claypool, third. The chances of finding a running back in that range are not, – I'm not saying it never happens, but it's very low to find a good running back in that range. So I think you need to find them up at the top. Um, and specific to Harris, I think his, he's going to be in probably a good situation. Draft capital should be good. I look at the possibilities for him. Pittsburgh at 24. Um, Miami could take him at either 18 or 36. The Jets could take him at 34, the Falcons at 35. I think those are all really good spots. I know the, the Jets don't sound like a good spot, but that's San Francisco's offense coming over to the Jets, so that we've seen it be favorable for running backs. And um, just for his skill set, I mean, he's he profiles to the three-down back. Pretty hard to find those. He's got good agility for um, – he's very – I mean, he's huge. He's 6'2", like 230. He's got good agility for that size. And he catches the ball pretty well, 43 last year, 43 receptions, um, 11 receiving touchdowns over the past two seasons. So I think with that size, he's got good touchdown upside and doesn't really appear to have a major injury history. So I know he's not like the most explosive player. I don't think he's – he's not like Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook or CMC and is going to rip off like 80-yard runs. I think he's more in the Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell where they're going to churn out runs of eight. 12 15 um but that's fine i mean it, it his lack of breakaway speed takes away a little bit from his fantasy value but i think other guys like zeke and bell have shown you can be really really good um 
without that top end speed. So he pretty much checks all the boxes for me. How far is he from, uh, ahead of Travis Etienne? Couldn't get that one out. I, it, it, I think he's probably – it would take a, a pretty big shakeup on draft day for me to put Etienne ahead of him. It would have to be something like, say, Etienne goes at 35 and Harris for some reason, like, say there's a surprise team, like Philadelphia takes him at 37 to pair him with Miles Sanders and, and you know he's in a committee. In that case, I might lean Etienne, but the problem with Etienne for me is that his projection is like Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, and I think that's just a really tough projection to make because he's not going to be someone that's going to carry the ball 18 or 20 times. He's, he's going to catch passes. He's going to do the things that Kamara and Jones do, and those guys, a lot of their fans call them their insane touchdown efficiency. And part of that is because they're obviously they're very good individually, but they're also in good offenses. And if Etienne goes to a place that uses him like Kamara Aaron Jones, but it's not a high scoring offense, his TD rate probably won't match there. So I don't know. I don't know how, how much he's going to deliver, how valuable he'll be in fantasy um, as a, as a guy who's almost certainly going to be like splitting time with whoever he plays with, no matter what his team is. Okay. It's so interesting. I think it would have to be the right TM to surpass Harris. Okay, yeah. But, I, uh, I was texting with frequent guest of the pod, uh, Doug Kide, asking him today if he's been seeing anything. And he referred to him as a poor man's Derrick Henry, which I feel as though a player who is the poor man's Derrick Henry but also catches the ball is just, like, pretty good. If you're in – Half point, full point PPR leagues, like that's that's a big thing. I mean, Henry falls usually five, six picks right. in drafts because of that. Um, so I'm going to close out who our number ones are because I uh, just have a different one. I think it's Kyle Pitts. And it was funny as I was researching him uh, to see what some other people were saying. The, the best thing I saw was there was some articles, you know, somebody wrote like pros and cons and the pros were like 15 of them. And there was one con, which was doesn't block with force and no tight end is being drafted in the top five or 10 to block. They want them to be able to block, but that's not the reason why they're, they're commanding that sort of capital. And Given his combination of size and speed, he's going to cause fits for anybody trying to cover him. He's going to be faster than any linebacker, bigger than any defensive back. And the thing that I really took away from watching his film was his ability to find the soft spots in the zone. He was constantly shredding zones when, you know, he was given the tiniest bit of space and this is a bit of an argument for myself and for Dave. If you're drafting number one and your team is not anywhere near winning, you, you have to be looking at 2022, maybe even 2023. If you get Harris, you get Etienne, 
you might be spending two years of their peak for losing. Whereas I've never seen a prospect like Kyle Pitts come across. They, he could very well be a top three guy this year. I believe I made that statement uh, on our last podcast we posted before we went into the offseason. And to have that to anchor your offense, you know, you still are kind of bad this year, but maybe you have the pick number three, you get a running back next year, and then you're kind of hitting the ground running, not wasting any time while getting like a generational talent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you happen to have 101 because you just happen to make a good trade and you already have a good team, then yeah, the, the answer is probably Harris. But I'm, I'm presuming that most people with 101 have a really bad team and need help everywhere. And I would argue that last year, if you didn't have Travis Kelsey, you didn't have Darren Waller, you probably did pretty poorly. And if you had George Kittle, you probably were really hurting without him. So Pitts is the type of guy that you can really build your team around and I believe it was last year on ESPN, 61% of teams who made the playoffs had Travis Kelsey. Now I'm not going to say that Pitts is going to show up and be Travis Kelsey, but if you were getting that type of dominance out of the tight end position, it's amazing to see what percentage of, you know, how high your odds go to make the playoffs. So that is, uh, that's, that's the argument for Pitts. Yeah. I, I mean, Pitts, I would be more inclined to take over Harris um, than Chase because I, the tight end scarcity is, I mean, there's really no one except Kelsey, Kittle, and Darren Waller. Um, and you get Pitts for a very long time. So I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I still, you know, like running backs just have so much value though. Like you could always, like Dave took Jonathan Taylor second last year. Dave right now could t- trade Jonathan Taylor for any receiver he wants, plus something else probably. Uh, I, just, I think you can always like that's the most important currency is to have running back. So I think you, if you want to make tweaks to your team, you can always trade that young running back for a young receiver plus another pick, and then you use that pick to take you know another young running back or whatever. Right. I mean, I think the move there is to to have one trade to four pick pits. You know. Right. If it's, yeah. if it, yeah, if it's three teams in a row that you think need running backs and obviously teams, as you said, teams picking at the top usually do. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's talk more running back now that we've already, you know, covered Harris. Um, so you said you have a pretty sizable dra- uh, gap between Harris and ETN. Dave, what about you? Uh, I, I kind of just sort of have them all lumped together at, at the end. Etienne and Javante Williams uh, with Harris. I like Harris the most, but I'm not seeing that huge gap that uh, uh, would would make me like val- overvalue him over them. So I don't know if I have like the two or three, I'm not trading into the one to get Harris. Uh, Kevin, are you as high on Williams as Dave is, or do you think there's a divide? No, I have Williams right there, right behind ETN at three. And most of that is off the projections that we have. Like, it looks like all those guys probably are going early second 
um, maybe Harris sneaks in late first or ETN sneaks in late first. So I think generally if, if that plays out and Javante Williams goes in the early second round, that means the team is picking him to be their workhorse running back because that's the players that are picked in that position, they all get a chance to be the workhorse back and most of them end up running away with the job. Um, just quickly, this here's the second round running backs over the past five drafts. Uh, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Darius Geis, Kerryon Johnson, Ronald Jones, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon. So really the only one of those players that didn't get a chance to be the workhorse is A.J. Dillon. I mean, Kerryon was the workhorse and two knee injuries kind of derailed him. Darius Geis is his own whole story. <laughs> but if the if the mocks hold true and that's where Javante Williams lands, um, I think that the team is picking him to be their starter. And that's just so, you know, there's just not many of those guys in fantasy. So I, I think you could see him go, I mean, depending on landing spot, he could leapfrog ETN and maybe he's the second pick in some drafts um, after Harris. So we'll see. Do you happen to have what the third round? running backs are up right now because that would be interesting to see the drop off. Right. And there is, so I didn't put them all down. Let's see. I should, I should have, um, there's a pretty significant drop off. I mean, the third round, it, it surprised me because there are some better, you know, Alvin Kamara was a third round pick. Kareem Hunt was a third round pick, James Connor, Kenyon Drake. So you have guys who did get into those workhorse roles, but you also have, Royce Freeman, Daryl Henderson, CJ Procise, um, Deontay Foreman. That was kind of an injury, but uh, let's see who else. Um, Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison, Lynn Bowden, uh, Zach Moss, Darrington Evans. So it's, I think when you get there into the third round, it's really like a 50 50 proposition. Like some of these guys, if you, you talked earlier about the 2014 redraft you wanted to do I think if you look back at Royce Freeman's year he was ranked pretty high um, I think because of landing spot like people thought Denver oh he's going to be the starter for Denver this is really good and and he was like a top three pick in rookie drafts but he was a third round pick in the NFL draft and that tells you that the talent just isn't it's not great if you're going in the third round and based on the track record of these guys a lot of them just aren't good enough to become workhorse backs and if they're you know, if they're average players in timeshares, they really aren't doing us much good for fantasy. So I think uh, that's one thing I wanted to, to say on this pod is we need to be pretty skeptical about some of the running backs that look like they go into great spots. Um, like Daryl Henderson, I took fifth overall in our draft a couple of years ago over AJ Brown and DK. And then we saw last year, Keyshawn Vaughn went ahead of Justin Jefferson. Um, that's egregious looking back, both of those picks. But it's because we saw those running backs and we love the landing spot. But we didn't take into account that the draft capital is not great and third-round running backs are pretty hit or miss. So I think we need to just be very careful with kind of overvaluing those guys as we have in the recent past. Would you argue that you have as good a chance as hitting on a undrafted free agent like James Robinson, like a um, – Philip Lindsay, right. going back a few years, um, Arian Foster. Yep. As you um, are hitting on a, a third rounder, 
I think the third rounders look a little bit better because you do one guy I did exclude was Antonio Gibson was the third rounder last year. So you have Kareem Hunt, you have Kamara, you have Gibson, you have Kenyon Drake, you have James Conner. So you have five guys in the past five years that like they were their team starting running backs. And one of them obviously is a superstar. Um, and maybe Gibson gets there and it could be a, a second superstar. So um, I think there's a little more talent in the third round, but um, you just got to be careful of some of these guys. And we didn't even get into like fourth round running backs are, I don't think there's any difference between them and undrafted free agents. The fourth round is a disaster for yeah. the most part, just taking a quick look at it. But uh, yeah, I just think we need to, just don't go crazy with the next Royce Freeman or the next Daryl Henderson. Be smart about pay attention to where that player got drafted in the actual NFL draft. Just got a text from a friend of the pod, Bill Barnwell. I was talking NBA top shot with him and I asked him for his one guy for this draft. And he told me Rashad Bateman. So there's a, a little insight from ESPN zone. Um, so for you guys, all things considered equal, do you believe after your number three pick, which I think across the board is Williams, should your focus move on to wide receiver or are you going to make a, um, you know, is there still somebody that you could consider yourself being like, you know what, like why running back is super important, like good land, you know, just perfect storm. You're like, all right, this, this running back over uh, the, the top, whoever you have as your top wide receiver. Um, if I, I think if Carter lands in the right spot, I think he would be worth a first rounder um, and maybe Gainwell. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'd probably be switching over to, to wide receiver. Yeah, uh, I don't want to take the next Daryl Henderson again, so I'm probably moving so over to. You're not going with Memphis running back factory <laughs> member Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell scares me a little bit because he didn't play last year. His apparently his testing times were absolutely miserable. Like he was in the he was in the 14th percentile for three cone drill and and short shuttle like the 18th percentile or something like that. And he's small, so he's like he's a pass catching back. And it, it, he could help you, but in fantasy, like, I don't know, guys who are purely pass catching backs, like James White had that one season where he had 12 touchdowns. But outside of that, how, how valuable is James White on a week-to-week basis? Not very. It's funny that, like, we refer to it as, like, the Memphis running back factory, but it's kind of just produced not great NFL running. It's producing NFL running backs, and maybe Gibson is the breakout player of that group but otherwise it's just like yeah they're making, they're, making it, but they're not they're not really doing anything tony pollard's look good when given the chance yeah but, um you know he's probably a, he's like a backup or a number two kind of guy he's not i don't think he's ever gonna rush for 1200 yards yeah yeah what works in college football doesn't always translate to the nfl so yeah. all right we we've covered the top three we, we think you should probably shift to wide receiver at that point, but anybody got a running back sleeper they want to share? We've already talked Gainwell, so we don't need to talk him. Uh, I would look at Trey Sermon um, out of Ohio State just because the size looks really good. Um, Produced pretty well at the end of last season. 
And we'll, I mean, that's, we're getting to the territory where it depends where he goes. Like if Trey Sermon's a fourth round pick, I'm, I'm not going to be taking him in the first round of my rookie draft, but if he sneaks into the late round two and a team really likes him, then I might look at him and be like, Oh, this guy could be a starting running back. So he might be valuable in the late first round of the rookie draft. So that's one guy kind of am monitoring to see where he lands. Does it scare you that he's been playing college football for what feels like the past seven years? <laughs> I don't know how old he is. Let's see. I, how old is this guy? I believe he, I mean, I'm pretty sure he played all four years. I'm not quite okay. sure of his age, but I would assume he is at least 22. Was he redshirted? He's 22. Yeah. But he, yeah, he he's played 22. all, he's, I believe there's some serious wear on those tires. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to look but further you, into it, what the injury history is, but I don't mind that. I think running backs are going to be short careers anyway. So the team's probably drafting him hopefully to be a starter from day one. And you just ride it out for, you know, hopefully you get two or three good years out of them. Yeah. Also, people were saying the same thing about Taylor last year. That's true. Also, I think that you can view perhaps you know, Trey Sermon has some, some more wear on his tires, but he's falling to you at the end of the first, you're already a championship contender him having a smaller window might match up with your window better than a wide receiver. Who's going to take half a season to figure out the NFL. Are people drafting him at the end of the first? Uh, I have not seen him there, but I, I, people like him. I feel like he's been on my monitor for a while just because he's played at a huge powerhouse school. Yeah. And if Keyshawn Vaughn can go first round, Anybody That's what can, we don't want to do. Anybody can skyrocket. Yeah, right. But I'm yeah. saying anybody can skyrocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Anybody got anything else they want to add on running back? Are we, we cool? I think we're cool. Um, Last I, thing I, is – go ahead, Dave. Oh, yeah. I was saying uh, Kylan Hill. I like him. Uh, I think a lot of people have him as their sleeper uh, running back this year. Uh, he was really good in 2019. Um, but he had in 2020 he had some injury issues and uh, uh, his the scheme changed the air raid so he stopped kind of getting the uh, handed off to him and it was more like the ball was getting dumped to him um, so I, I think that really hurt him uh, this year so I think you could probably get him as a, at a really good discount uh, because I think he was like potentially going to be considered like a, one of the top running back prospects this year before. Yeah. Having you mention he had a great 2019, how much are you guys taking 2019 into consideration given how wacky 2000, how wacky 2020 was? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, giving it probably some more consideration because I think NFL teams themselves, like Bill Belichick was asked about that this week and he said like, that this year is so weird and the 2019 film might mean a little bit more. So I think you kind of look at it like the teams do. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that does matter to me. Um, it also matters like a guy like, you know, just, I don't love, I don't love guys sitting out here. There doesn't seem even at that age, like there doesn't seem to be a great track record of players not playing for a year and, you know, coming back and especially making the jump from college to the NFL after sitting out for a year. Yeah. Right, well then, then let's transition to wide receiver and talk about why Jamar Chase, who sat out the 2020 season, is the best <laughs> wide receiver prospect in quite some time.
That was not a good transition by me. (laughs) (laughs) Because now I think sitting out this past year is a much different indication than it has been in the past. And you can definitely look, I think it's, it's worth looking at with players who aren't chase. Right. Yeah. I don't mean it saying anything like about his character that he set out. Just like, it's just hard. Like you didn't play football for a whole year and I don't know, like in Ken, Kenneth Gainwell's position, his testing numbers were so bad. I just don't even know what kind of shape he's in. Uh, Chase obviously tested extremely well so um, and has all the production in the world. So I think – I don't know if you'd find anybody that doesn't have Chase number one. I know we all – the three of us have him as our top receiver, right? Yeah. Well, you know what I think is interesting is Dave talked about him being big. He plays so much bigger than he actually is. He is not – I believe he's only six feet tall. Right. That was surprising. He plays like he's six three. Yeah. He yeah. he is an absolute monster. Like he can high point the ball. Uh, he's so strong. And that will definitely translate to the NFL, but I wish he was the six three, six four guy that I thought he was. That would be my one knock. But I still think on a team that had Joe Burrow who threw to Justin Jefferson, who was pretty hands down the best wide receiver in the NFL rookie last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chase was better than him at the age of 19. So I think the sky's the limit. I like him better than CeeDee Lamb. I like him better than Jefferson. I like him better than Judy. You like him better than Jefferson? Yeah. You would trade – if you had Jefferson, you would trade him straight up to draft Chase this year? Uh, Probably not. Okay. I think I think as a prospect I like the, him more than I like Jefferson. Gotcha. Got okay, okay. That makes I sense. would even the only I think the only reason and like this is maybe why I'm a tough trade partner on draft night or for draft picks is I'm going to put a lot of value in having done it in the NFL. The known the known is so valuable to me. The fact that Justin Jefferson did it makes me you know be like well why would i trade him for the unknown even if the unknown has the the possibility to be higher because justin jefferson's so good already like it's not worth the the risk of losing out the risk reward is kind of not that great i feel yeah exactly that's why i think you're not i mean jefferson had 1400 yards as a rookie it would be hard to trade him for even the one-on-one to get a running back if you wanted or even for Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I, I think in a vacuum, if I hadn't seen any of them in the NFL, I like chase more than anyone else in the last two or three years. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, knowing what players have done, definitely <laughs> like rookies are really hard. Like people definitely overvalue rookie picks. Yeah. And I think people overvalue what they already have because you know, it, it's hard to lose and, and potentially not gain. Yeah. So I think we've spent enough time talking about uh, Jamar Chase, probably half the pod at this point. Uh, are your two, three, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith? Do we I, have, do that? I have Smith ahead of Waddle. Yes. I have uh, Waddle, Bateman, then Smith. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. You've been talking to Bill? No, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not as high on Smith. I definitely think 
that Waddle, Bateman, and Smith are much closer together than they are to Chase. But I don't know. I just I I, I really liked the tape I saw of Bateman, um, and and Waddle's awesome. I don't know. I'm. It's just like the the eye test. Are you? So high on Waddle and Bateman and not afraid of what are perceived as Smith's shortcomings? I mean, Smith is small. Like, I don't know. He's, he's a little smaller. A little is an understatement for him. Yeah. It would, he would be, it, historically, a player of his stature has never succeeded, really. Uh, Santana Moss was pretty short. Yeah, but I don't even think it's short. It's high. It's, it's, it's his... He's like 170, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only the only guy that's that weight right now is Hollywood Brown, and he stinks. Um, <laughs> but uh, like Deshaun Jackson might be that weight, but he's he's a I mean, he's running a four three, you know, low four threes. Devontae Smith isn't running that time. Um, and none of these guys went for the draft capital that Smith is going to go for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I have Smith only because of his production. I just, I mean, he was amazing. It's just hard to ignore that. So, uh, a lot. I mean, I'm agreeing with you, McGann. I, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Like to yeah. expect a 170 pound receiver to dominate in the NFL when we've never seen that before. That's yeah. A tough the secondaries adjustment. are just so much faster and bigger, and I don't know. It's died. Right. Yeah. yeah right. It's a very tough projection, but he um. Uh, he was incredible last year, and it's it's just hard. It gets to a point where the production is so much that it's just hard to ignore that. So I I put him at two ahead of Waddle, but those guys are very close in my eye. Uh, do either of you want to speak to why you think Waddle is so good? I feel we as a collective group enjoy Waddle quite a bit, and uh, I'm just going to leave it off with he was – He's so good that it took Smith having a historic year to like kind of take the shine away from him. Um, if I remember, Football Outsiders had Waddle as the the second best wide receiver, um, maybe in the country after um, the 2019 college football season. So I, I think Waddle, you know, he just lost some of his shine because somebody just went absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. But I could see Waddle being just such a super solid NFL wide receiver, plug and play. You know, even if he's your wide receiver too for the next 12 years, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And he's only slightly bigger than uh, than us. Smith. I think he's he's 5'10, 182. Yeah, but he's been eating. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> no, he's there. I mean, I think what you also have to uh consider with these guys, and you guys can and maybe you disagree with me. When you're going to play at a place like Alabama, you're playing so many of your games against defensive players who are going to go on to playing in the NFL. Yeah. You are being put in a position to play in offenses that play an NFL style. And a lot of times, like, that is, to me, huge. 
that was one of the things that sold me on Clyde Edwards Alaire last year was this guy was, you know, lighting up Alabama and that Alabama defense sent like four or five first round picks to the NFL. So I, I think those things need to be uh, taken into consideration as well. So Dave, we heard your fourth. Kevin, do you have a fourth, clear fourth on your board? Uh, I have Bateman at four. And then, uh, and then who, who are both of your number fives? Uh, I think we both had uh, Marshall Jr. Yeah, I have Terrence Marshall at five. Um, and that's kind of, I don't know, like the five through, it could be like eight, maybe even five through nine. That's going to be dependent on where they go in the NFL draft. And we'll see how that shakes out. Um, there's some good, there's some teams that, you know, especially like back, back into the first round, even back into the second, like Kansas city needs a receiver. The saints need a receiver. Green Bay needs a number two receiver. So whoever lands in those spots, I know that like Sammy Watkins wasn't good as Kansas city's number two receiver, but I think that's more on Sammy Watkins than it is on the system. Like if the chaff, the rookie receiver in the top three rounds, I want that player. Yeah. Would you want them? This is like a, a thought I've had because Tutu Atwell is just so ridiculously fast. Would you be more excited about somebody like Tutu Atwell coming in there and just giving them another level of speed and just having three incredibly fast running, I mean, uh, wide receivers? Or would you prefer they replace Watkins with? you know, a big body type guy. I'd rather them go with a big body type guy. I think that they could benefit from that. I mean, there's McCole Hardman is, I don't want to say he's redundant to Ty- Tyree Kill because it, <laughs> it's, it's crazy to have both of them on the field, but at some point, like the size and having someone you can, you know, that can go over the middle and make a tough catch on a slant like that matters besides having Travis Kelsey. So I'd rather them go with a bigger receiver. Dave? Yeah, like a, a straight slot guy. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't need any more of the, the shorter speed guys. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Uh Uh, Let me figure that out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys my fifth, and it is Elijah Moore. Hmm. And I think, um, you know, you'll see this kind of everywhere. He's an old Miss product, but he is not the monsters that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's just gonna be a slot receiver that eats up the middle. And based on where he's falling he might end up on a really good team. You know, some, some mocks have him and I've seen him as high as late first. He doesn't seem to be falling beyond the uh, mid second, but let's say like the Patriots got him in the mid, you know, second. Um, there's like a lot of teams drafting in that area who, if they added a player like that, it'd be really, you know, great. I think, Dave, your football team would look awesome with him. Um, I just think he's going to be a really productive slot receiver. 
considering the depth, is there anybody who you have as a um, a sleeper? I know Doug Kide gave us Kadarius Tony. He thinks as long as he stays out of trouble, he's got a ton of talent. Um, I, I like Diami Brown. Uh, he's looked pretty good. He's uh, more of like a, a speed kind of flanker guy. Um, but he, if his tape, he's just like burning, burning people left and right. Um, and I, I think you can get him pretty late. I think he's moving up a lot of people's draft boards though. Uh, but you could probably get him in the, the third round. Kevin, you want to add anybody? I would throw in uh, Nico Collins from Michigan, 6'4", 215. I think he ran in the 4'4s and had a 6.78 three-cone, so that's really good agility for someone that size. Um, when it gets – when we're talking like sleeper wide receivers, I'm interested in some of the you know, the, the bigger guys who uh, – I don't, know, I don't know where Collins is going to get drafted, but probably not in the first two rounds. So he'd be someone you're looking at in um, you know, maybe the late second of your uh, dynasty draft. So Is, is he yeah. who's going to uh, Kansas City? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great fit. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. They need a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, there's not a lot of like talented, tall wide receivers this year, which is kind of weird. Yeah, it is a smaller class for sure. And that's it's kind of... I mean, in the last couple of classes, we've had DK and AJ come out, and I don't really know if they're players with that kind of physicality in this year's class. Do you think that it's potentially because the NFL is a copycat league and college football has to produce NFL players and the Kansas City Chiefs have been shredding everybody with just speed? Or is it just you think it's just – Genetics didn't hit this draft. Right. Like it I, think, I think it's pretty natural that the uh, college football is going to start. Uh, they just sort of emulate what's what works in the NFL. Are you guys also surprised that we've talked about this many UNC football players? Because I do not think of UNC as a football school. And yeah. they're obviously like cranking out talent. Yep, apparently. Yeah, it's kind of – they're the new Memphis for running backs, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we'll wrap up uh, wide receivers, move on to tight end. Um, another year where this position is essentially a wasteland. Uh, you know, Pitts is obviously the stud we've talked about. Uh, a question I forgot to ask, or maybe I didn't ask it because I was making the point for him. Does it scare you at all that he transitions at some point in the NFL to a wide receiver and loses his value? Because I've heard plenty of agents make the decision that he should be trying to come out as a wide receiver because he doesn't, because then he'll get paid more. Yeah, that's valid. I mean, in the past, I think the NFL hasn't really like, helped players make that transition. Right. I, I mean, I agree entirely. And I'm, the argument has been there. Um, who Somebody recently tried to, to make an argument that they were a wide receiver when they were a tight end. And I can't the, remember who it for was. For the franchise tag. Yeah. It was Jimmy Graham, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so that's who I, I thought it was. 
And he lost that despite the fact that he he kind of is a wide receiver. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he definitely was a wide receiver, right? You know, he, he definitely was not getting by on his blocking. Yeah. Yeah. And if you line up all over the field, I mean, you are a wide receiver. Right. But yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't, like, I don't think he'll be, because there are still some snaps where Jimmy Graham is, you know, on the line of security. It's not like he plays a snap as a, a wide out. And probably the same thing will be for Pitts. Like, Pitts will move around all over, but he will at times be in a three point stance at the end of the line. Um, so I think he'll, I wouldn't be too worried about him not being a tight end for, for our, for fantasy purposes. All right. Uh, so in a normal year, it'd be pretty interesting to see where Pat Fryer moves. Is that, is that correct? I would have said Freemuth, probably. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, an interesting name. Um, yeah. He actually projects pretty well, but it just feels like given the top three tight ends, the, the high water mark currently are zero draft capital guys, essentially. Um, probably went undrafted in most dynasty leagues um that it's really not worth going after anybody here right probably not with a high pick um i don't know the position is just it really is a disaster and i don't know if it's going to change too much and and the one thing that with tight ends too there is more of a transition to the nfl even a guy like hawkinson who should end up being pretty good good and was pretty good last year he's it's not like he's aj brown and he or justin jefferson he comes into the league and he's suddenly you know what he's going to be like it takes years to grow into that so i think anytime you draft a tight end in fantasy you're doing it for the long haul and you're you're going to be patient with that player um like look at travis kelsey's first couple years he was it took a while for him to really get going and that's the trend that most tight ends take unfortunately yeah but a lot of people probably would have drafted or dropped him before he took off. Yeah. Oh, possibly. for sure. I mean, look at – I. so I believe we started the, the league, we're all in together, his rookie year. And I don't believe he was drafted. I believe Bill picked him up off the waiver wire. And it was very interesting because I remember he made a trade offer to me and he included him and was like, I think he's going to be really good, but I'm willing to include him. And uh, George Kittle has never been on my roster, and I definitely regret whatever that trade was because he would have obviously won me the trade. Right. Yeah. Actually, do you know what I believe the trade was, which is, like, hilarious to look back upon? I believe it was the year that I had – it was the year that Le'Veon Bell held out. Mm -hmm. Bill had James Conner. And he offered me James Conner for Juju Smith-Schuster. And then he tacked on George Kittle. Oh, man. And I turned that down. Ouch. Hindsight. That's Yeah, that's a tough one. But that's the life of tight ends. I mean, I, I just – I don't I mean, feel I would even argue that I should have taken James Conner for Juju Smith-Schuster at that point because ultimately I was just going to have two starting running backs. 
because yeah. Le'Veon Bell left. True. Yeah. And Juju never reached higher heights than he did that year. No, he's still like 23 though, somehow. So yeah. <laughs> I know he's long gone from your team, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's moved on, you know, he's really enjoying it. The, the clubhouse over here, better, better, uh, dynamics with Allen Robinson. That's, that's what we like to hear. Uh, so I sent you guys both an article about Brevin Jordan and I'm intrigued by him. Part of me is just like, laser focused on the idea of him going to the bills because I love the ideas of the bills getting an athletic tight end. And then you guys quickly were like, well, he's got a John o. Smith comp, which ha- would equate to uh, a big bag of nothing. I mean, that's not what I meant when I, John o. Smith is good. He's a good, well, he's player. a good NFL. Right. Right. He's a good player. player. Right. But it just, ha- I mean, John o. Smith, what has he given you in fantasy? Really? Not much. I mean, just, just enough to start him and not move on. Right, yeah, enough yeah. to start him and be happy with – he scores a touchdown for three straight weeks, and then, then you have to play him for three more weeks where he has – Where Anthony Fersker catches right. six it's touchdowns. Just, I, I just think I'm at the point where I'm not – if I don't get pits, which I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not wasting – or I'm not spending a top – a pick in the first or second round on any tight end. I don't, just don't think it's worth it. I don't think Brevin Jordan would go there either. Um, mm-hmm. I think he could maybe bump himself up to late second if, if he got a really good uh, landing spot. I just love the idea of the Bills with him having a super athletic tight end who can kind of line up everywhere and you know just take advantage of what's happening there with that offense of Josh Allen. Uh, are there any other players that we have not hit on? Because we've hit on a, quite a few. Uh, I don't have any other players, but I did have a question for you, McGann. All right. Um, I should have asked you during your Kyle Pitts segment, but do this. The you know we've seen first round tight ends be terrible. I mean, Hawkinson might come into his own, but this guy was a top ten pick, and I think he was in our league. He probably was a top six pick in the first round of the rookie draft and like Eric Ebron was a very highly touted tight end coming out and he's really done not much of anything. Does that, does the history of first round tight ends scare you with Kyle Pitts? Yes. And no, no, in the sense that I think he's like a generational talent. Like I truly believe that, but to also sit here and be like, okay, I view this guy as a cornerstone. I'm taking him for the reason being this position is pretty scarce. And then he doesn't hit. And then perhaps maybe one of you guys drafts Brevin Jordan, just for this example. And he does hit. And you've, you know, you picked him up for 10 cents and I've spent a dollar. And you get, you know, 10 times the production I do but I'm that confident in him. Um, I wasn't playing any sort of dynasty fantasy football at the point of Eric Ebron coming into the league. Um, But as somebody who drafted Hawkinson, definitely kind of picked him too early. Um, But I'm still pretty happy with the fact that I, I feel pretty safe in that position. Yeah. Yeah. And 
eventually somebody has to hit. If anybody's going to hit, I think it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and if if he was a wide receiver, I think we would be talking about who do you pick, Chase or <laughs> or Pitts? Right, I, I agree with that. Um, I also this is more so a like big board, not looking at any specific team need so much as you know like I can say that neither none of my dynasty teams would really it'd be worth spending that capital on pits if I have 101 in any of the three dynasty leagues I'm in I'm not drafting him mm-hmm. and that's just because I have Kittle I have Hawkinson now do I maybe consider trading Hawkinson and 101 for 104 and you know 204 yeah you know then then maybe we're talking but that that's like about the only way I'm just saying I think if you're a bad team with a lot of needs there's wide receivers every year there's running backs every year there are not tight ends like this every year that's true it, it, it is. I mean, that's why I think I would consider him at one-on-one instead of Chase if I'm not going to go running back. And I would also say that even if I had Kyle Pitts at number one on my board and I had 101, I think I kind of have to draft Harris because he has the greater trade value. Yeah. It's, it's like a game of, I don't like him the most, but I have to figure out a way to get the most out of my, my draft capital. And, and Pitts might just not do that. Like no. I, I'd, I'd be pretty yeah. confident in almost any format, at least trading down two spots from where I would expect, where I view like Pitts to go. Mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, I, I think I could trade in a non-super flex league to 103 and have a pretty good chance of still getting him. Yeah, probably. I would think so. Depending and if I on... didn't, I'd probably be pretty okay with the fact that I got Jamar Chase <laughs> and gained some capital. Right. So. Makes sense. Um. So right. in conclusion, Eric Ebron does not scare you off from Kyle Pitts, which is probably the right answer. No, I mean, because I'm, I'm more of a um, – oh, God, I can't – Kellen Winslow. He was a huge mm-hmm. draft capital. Yep. Just garbage human. I believe he's currently in jail for like oh, the rest of his life. He will not be coming out for a while, yes. But uh, I also think that the, the tight end position has changed so much in the past five years that even looking back at 2014, Eric Ebron is kind of not fair to even maybe uh, Firemuth. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of where I, I feel like they, they've changed that position quite a bit. So that's to uh, anybody who drafts him 101 and listens to this, uh, please let us know. I'd love to hear it. If you pick Harris, go fuck yourself. That's normal. don't don't reach out for a goddamn medal and then uh even chase i think is a little bit ballsy just because we know what a running back is worth yeah 
It is, yeah. It's a tough, tough decision because you know you have those guys for, you know, you have Chase, you have C.D. Lamb. You have those guys for 10 years probably. Yeah. I mean, how long do you really have the running backs for? But um, I don't think it's like a – I think that's why it was interesting that we all – each of us had a different player at one-on-one. And I think we all believed – like my pick was Harris. Like I know Dave believed Chase and Mike, you obviously believe Pitt. So that's what makes this year – really intriguing because I don't think we've had that um in the past couple I mean the past couple of years you're talking about like which running back do you prefer is it Jonathan Taylor or Edward Tillaire and really last year I don't think it was even that much of a discussion I bet if you pulled dynasty leagues it was probably like 90 percent were taking Edward Tillaire 101 so this year we'll see what happens it, I think a lot depends on where these guys go in the draft I'm gonna end it with a, a little story so I, last year, had 101, and I really like Jonathan Taylor. Every single expert out there said Clyde Edwards-Alaire. There were not many people banging the, the drum of Jonathan Taylor at 101. I reached out to friend of the pod, Daniel Adler, who runs a real fucking Major League Baseball team. <laughs> used to be the, the director of uh, like advanced metrics or something from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I said to him, what do you do when nine out of 10 people are telling you to do something and you disagree? And he said, at that point, I start to think that everybody else is smarter than me because, and then I picked Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I'd like to let you know that I'm smarter than Daniel Adler. <laughs> there you <laughs> but, go. But you know what? Like, just go with your gut. Like, if that's truly the guy and you're, you're picking that high, it's Harris, ETN for you, and you think ETN's the guy, then don't listen to me. Don't listen to Kevin. Don't listen to Dave. Don't text Daniel. <laughs> busy. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just close it with that is like, what you see, you're going to be bummed. Like, I'm bummed I didn't take Taylor. I moved on from Edwards Alaire nicely, but like, that was a lot of luck. So, uh, anything you guys want to add? I don't uh, think so. Just, that was a good way to. Okay. Yeah. So, look to hear from us again immediately after the draft. I know we're going to be texting probably all weekend. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be ready to give you our new big boards. Do it. All right. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe on uh, iTunes, all those. Anywhere you're listening to podcasts, we're Dynasty Mode Pod on any social media. Uh, leave us questions on Twitter, on our Instagram. Email us, DynastyModePod at gmail.com if you want to reach out to kevin or i on twitter i am at oko kevin is at kevin r duffy uh dave has a new funny name that i always tweet every time i post about it but maybe someday he'll have a real twitter <laughs> okay for you to interact with him but uh it's been fun and uh, i hope you guys enjoyed this and we'll we'll be back with you in like two weeks <laughs>